begin reading in verse 4, and we will read all the way through to verse 9. Praise the name of the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, when you got it, say so. It says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, also, who will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 9, God is faithful. By whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hallelujah. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this beautiful reminder that the Apostle Paul wrote a long time ago but are so necessary in the days in which we live. Thank you, Lord, that we can be assured that you are faithful and that you will accomplish your purposes in our lives as your people. Lord, we humble ourselves before you this morning, and we pray that you would open our ears, that we would hear what your spirit is saying to your church. Lord God, captivate our minds, remove distractions from our thoughts in this place and those who are joining online and even those who will hear this sermon later, Lord God. We pray that we would be attentive to you and that we would worship you with our attention today. We give you all praise. We give you all thanks. We pray these things in Jesus' strong name. And everyone said, amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you do not have an outline, you can raise your hand and the ushers will be sure to get you an outline. We want to be sure that you are able to follow along uh, in, the, in the sermon and that you're able to take some notes. Uh, as, you're, as you're getting the outline, I want to point out a couple of mistakes that are on the outline for you because you will notice them. Um, number one, it says the date, which is um, the 1st of January. No, this is not Groundhog Day. Hallelujah. We didn't, we didn't start the year over, I, you know, I, we're only a few days in, but what it was is that I actually had these printed two weeks before we started the new year, so that was going to be the first sermon of the new year, and I didn't want to throw the, the paper away, right? So, but there is also a second typo in there. On the back, you will notice when we have the, the month and the things that are going on in the month, it says Lift Up Central Florida is on the 14th, and it is not on the 14th, it is on on the 21st. And so, again, those things changed after these were printed, so my apologies there. Also, I want to point out to you, because you may not know this, but inside the outline, this is not a mistake, this still works, there are two uh, links that are in there, QR codes. One of them is for you, if you're a first-time guest, you can go ahead and you can just... Um, Scan that code, and you can fill out our guest information card digitally. Uh, also, there is another one. The other QR code there is for prayer. 
And, you know, sometimes you have prayer requests and you, you want to know that someone's going to pray for you. Well, if you have a prayer request, you have something that we can pray for, you could scan that QR code and we'll receive an email and we'll be able to pray for you. And if you want us to follow up with you on the particular petition that you have, we'll do that. If you want it to remain anonymous, it can remain anonymous. It'll just be myself. And I think uh, Raquel gets that email as well because she's our leader over our intercession team. So anyway, so that's in your outline there. And as always, I want you to take notes. I want you to follow along. I don't want you to just be a an inactive hearer. I want you to be an active hearer, an active participant. So take some notes, write down some stuff that I say, write down questions, things that pop up in your mind as we're going through the scriptures. And as I said last week, we are starting a series that is entitled Engage with God. I shared with you how around Thanksgiving, as I was praying for this new year and seeking the Lord on what he would have for this new year, I woke up and I just heard the word engage. And, and I knew that that was the Lord calling us as a church to engage, engage with God in certain things. And so last week we talked about the love of God. And I just want to pause there for a moment because if you have been paying attention, you have heard three sermons back to back about one thing, and that is the love of God. And how important it is for us to grasp the love of God, that everything that last week's message was about that, what is your, why, why is it that you want to do A, B, C, and D? Why is it that you should live for God's glory? It is all rooted in the love of God. So why is it that we should engage? It's because of the magnitude of God's love toward us. And so that's our motivation. Everything we do isn't because of guilt. It isn't because of shame. It isn't because we're trying to earn uh, our path into heaven. You can't earn your way into heaven. Jesus did that already. Hallelujah. You know, the superhero that Pastor Aldo was talking about earlier, the hero of heaven, he, he did that. So we, we don't obey because we're trying to, 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 to please God in that sense. We obey because we want to please him as a person who is appreciative of him who is grateful to him, right? And so again, God wants us to love him in those ways. So today we're going to talk a little bit about a, a topic called engaging God in fellowship, engaging God in fellowship. So you have your outline there, and I want you to realize this, whether you know this or not, this is factual. We are in the middle of a battle. There is a spiritual war that is going on. There is, a, there, there, there is a realm that we don't see. When we look around, you know, we see the, the, what, what we see tangibly. You know, we see the color of the walls. You know, we see the, the carpet, the chairs. We see the things that are happening naturally. Even in our relationships, we, we see or we hear conversations that are taking place. And yet, I think sometimes we forget that we are engaged in a spiritual thing as well. There is something happening that is going on that we don't see. There is a realm that we are not privy to seeing all the time. I think, honestly, it would be something that might freak us out. Hello. Seeing angelic hosts, I mean, when you read the scriptures and you see things that are going on spiritually, it, it, it lets us know that there is something happening that is outside of this natural realm. There is an enemy for your soul. There is an enemy who wants to destroy your life. There is an enemy who wants to destroy your marriage. There is an enemy who wants to destroy your children. There is an enemy who wants to destroy you, doesn't want you to experience the life that God has for you. And he will bring things into your life to distract you. He will bring things into your life that will discourage you. He will bring things into your life that will cause you to question the very God who created you and shows you his love for you. 
There's an enemy, and what does this enemy want to do? So if you look at your outline here, the enemy wants us to remain neutral or disengaged with the things that matter. He wants us to live our lives and, and, just, and just go by, you know, go, go, uh, you know, just get along, you know, go along to get along. That's how he, he wants us to live. He wants us to be disengaged from the things that matter, the things that really have eternal value and eternal consequence. At the same time, he wants to keep us engaged with things that don't matter. He wants us to be concerned and consumed by things that in the end, they're all going to stay behind. He wants us to run after riches. Come on now. He wants, us, he wants us to run after the accolades that this world offers us. He, he wants us to be consumed with this temporal realm. Again, there's not just a spiritual a thing that's going on where there's a battle that is taking place. Y'all, we're living for eternity. We're living for the future. We're not living for today. We're, we're, we should be living for the, the what we, we're going to spend like this much time of our existence here on earth. Think about that. Right? So if, you're, if your existence, right, if, you're, if, if our existence is from here to the other side of the altar, this is how much of it is here in this earth. This much. And, and we're, we're living for all of that over there, and the enemy wants us to be consumed with the things that are temporal and temporary, not realizing, wait a second, I should be living for the things that are eternal, right? I should be investing my life in things that matter eternally because I'm going to spend eternally, eternity celebrating those things. I'm going to spend eternity enjoying those things, but, but this is where we get stuck. We get stuck right here. We, get, we, be, we become consumed with temporal things. And listen, I don't want you to mishear me, right? I, I'm, I'm just like the next guy, right? I like to enjoy the things in this temporal realm. Hello. <laughs> I, I enjoy things, right? Like, like if you ever want to invite me over to eat, please, hallelujah, right? <laughs> I, I enjoy, you know, recreational stuff, right? I enjoy. There's things. Listen, we, God gave us. He created us to enjoy this stuff, right? But not to be consumed by the stuff. And so what does the enemy want? The enemy wants us to be engaged with things that don't matter, disengaged from the things that do matter. And so as we begin this new year, we must ask ourselves, what will I engage in? As we, as we embark on this, I mean, we're only eight days in, right? As, as we move forward into this year, just think about what you have spent these eight days on. Think, think about for a moment, just do a mental inventory, right? Have you, have you really been investing your time in things that really matter? See, engagement means that, right? It's, it's I'm engaging, I'm investing my time, I'm investing my effort, I'm, I'm investing myself in, in things, right? And so we have to ask ourselves, well, what are the things that I'm going to engage in? What are the things that I'm going to allow to take play or, or take priority on my calendar? What, what, what are the things that I'm going to allow my money to be used for? By the way, that's a misnomer. It's not your money because you own nothing. Well, I know you feel like you own it. You don't. <laughs> he is the, uh, you work hard for it. Amen. Praise the Lord. But you know who gave you the strength to work? <laughs> you, know, you know who provided that job? You know, you know who, it's, it's, no, 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 no. Everything, all of it belongs to the Lord. But nonetheless, how am I going to utilize the money that I have while I'm here on this earth? How am I going to invest those things? 
See, more importantly than asking myself, what am I going to engage in? We should do this. We should ask the Lord to direct us into what matters to him and how he desires us to be engaged. See, more, more, more importantly than what I think is worth engaging in, I need to think about, Lord, what, what is it that you say that I should engage in? How, how should I engage with, with my life? How should I engage with my resources, right? This is, I think that this is an important question that we should really spend some time sitting before the Lord, asking him, waiting on him, helping him to show us what it is that is important, what it is that is of great value to him. And in this text that we just read here, uh, you'll notice it is 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And so I figured we'll just start 1 Corinthians. We'll start Corinthians over again, right? I'm just kidding. I am just joking. But I did want to bring us back to 1 Corinthians in the beginning as I was thinking about this word engage because of verse 9. Verse 9 is so very important. One of my favorite verses in 1 Corinthians, one of my favorite verses in the whole of Scripture, it says, God is faithful who calls uh, by whom you were called into the fellowship of the Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Engage, yeah, praise the Lord. <laughs> engage in fellowship. Why do we engage in fellowship? Because you have been called, I have been called to engage in fellowship. Lord, what matters to you? That you engage in fellowship. You've been called. A price has been paid for you, for me, for us to engage with God in fellowship, to engage with God in relationship. Think about this this morning. God forgave our sins and gave us new life so we could engage with him in fellowship. That's, that, that's simple. He forgave our sins. He removed the, the curse. He, he broke down the barrier that was between us so we could engage with him and fellowship. So what does this word fellowship mean? What, 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 when, when we're thinking about fellowship, again, I think whenever we consider the word fellowship, we, we, I don't know what your mind goes to. You might think about a barbecue. You might think, you know, about sitting down with people around your, you know, at your favorite restaurant or something like that. Um, you, may, you may think about, you know, a, a, a time where you're engaging and, and, and playing games, you know, game night, something like that. But, but, but what is the biblical concept of fellowship? The biblical concept of fellowship is much bigger than those things that I just said. Here's what fellowship is. Fellowship, it, it, mean, it means to fellow or, or a fellow or a participant. It implies fellowship or sharing with someone or in something. Look at that. It implies sharing with someone or in something. So when we are engaging in fellowship with God, we are, we are, we are sharing that word konania, right? We, we, we call our, our, our life groups core connect groups and we spell it funny, right? For those of you, we, don't, we, we do know how to spell around here. Hello. We get the check every time that we spell K, you know, connect with a K-O-N-E-C-T. We, we always get the, the little lines on words saying, hey, there's something wrong with this word. But the, but the reason why we do that is actually intentional, right? It's because we, we, we know the word konania, right? The word konania is the word fellowship in the Greek, and that word means to have, it means social intercourse. 
It means intimacy that, 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 that we're having with one another. It means sharing life. It's the concept, it, it, it's, the, it's the word where we get the concept of doing life together. Not just some cliche-ish statement that we've heard over and over again, but it's really sharing life. But listen now, it's not just sharing life with, without an eternal focus. Are you here? It's sharing life with eternal perspective. It's sharing life with the gospel at the center. I'm not just sharing life around sports with you. Hello. I'm, a, I'm not just sharing life with you around food. I'm not just sharing life with you around games. I'm sharing life with you around the kingdom. See, fellowship is something different. And here's the beauty of this, is that we're not just sharing life together with one another. We are sharing life with the king as well. We are sharing life with him. And so he calls us into fellowship with the son, to be in fellowship, in partnership with Jesus. Think about that for a moment. Now, you and I have been called into partnership with the king of kings. We have been called out of darkness, brought into the light, and, and, and come to know him so we can be in partnership with him and whatever he's doing. I, I don't know if, that, if that, that scares you, excites you, if it bores you. I don't know. I, I hope it doesn't bore you. And so it's not a big deal. I mean, that's a big deal, right? The, the, the one who created all calls you and I and says, hey, I want you to partner with me. I want, you to part, I want you to fellowship with me. I want you to be part of me and what I'm doing in this earth. And so the first thing I want to ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, we must understand who we are engaging and fellowship with. We must under, if, we're, if we are going to be faithful in our engagement and fellowship with God, we have to understand who he is. In any type of fellowship, if we are to properly engage with someone, we must have a reference to who they are if the fellowship is going to be fruitful, right? So you got, you, you, you got to know who you're, who you're coming. Is this, is this a casual get-together, right? Is this a person that I can just be in some, you know, some sweatshorts and a T-shirt on? Or is this someone I need to get dressed up for? Come on now. Right? Is, is, is this just you know, a, a hangout or is this actually like we're doing business, right? Like what is it? Who is it that I'm fellowshipping with? Like if you knew the president was coming to your house, I think you may change some stuff and clean up. Come on now. I'm just saying, right? Like, like, like you wouldn't just leave. Like, like you would go extra. You might pay somebody to come in and help you. Come on now. I mean, if you, you, if you, if you knew that you were going to be in fellowship with the president, I mean, you, you, you would feel some kind of way, right? Like, you got, whether you like him or not, it doesn't matter. Come on now. Oh, I don't like him, so he can't come to my house. Whatever, whatever. Hey, um, uh, let, 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 let someone call you from the White House talking about, hey, the president would like to sit down with you. Let, let's, see, let's see how principled you are then. Come on now. Uh-huh. Praise the Lord. Anyway, anyway, if that, if that fellowship is going to be fruitful, if that fellowship is going to be helpful, then we have to make sure that we participate with an understanding of who it is that we are participating with. 
And so I want to go through some rapid-fire scriptures really quickly. I want to, I want to just look at I want to let the scriptures kind of help us. And, and, and there, there, there's a reason for these scriptures that I chose. We can go through a lot of scriptures that would help us to understand who God is. I, I, I just chose a couple here. One of them, the first one that we have is 1 John chapter 1, verse 3 through 5. And again, if you're taking notes, you should just write that verse down. These verses are going to pop up here on the screen, so they will help you out. But you can write these down so you can go back and you can reference them later. But the reason why, 1 John 1, 3 through 5, this, this one connects with the idea of fellowship. And so that's the reason why this scripture, I chose this one. 1 John chapter three verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 3 through 5. It says, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. I want you to notice here, what, 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 is, what is the Apostle John saying? He's saying, listen, I write these things to you so we can have fellowship, but I want you to understand that our fellowship is not just with people, but it is with the Father, it is with the Son. On, on Friday, and listen, if you guys don't, if, you, if it is not on your calendar, I pray that you will put it on there. The first Friday of every month, we gather together in prayer collectively seeking the face of the Lord. And I'll say this again next week and, and probably as many times I can remind you. The Listen, one of the most important places that you and I should fellowship is around the throne of God. That is in corporate prayer. That is in collective prayer. As the church gathers before the Lord, God does something. My, my brother Lewis, he, he, was, he was sharing as we were in prayer and we were reading over. Next week, you're going to get this, this handout and it's going to be a prayer for core faith in 2023. But it is in, in, in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, I believe it's through uh, verse 14 to verse uh, 20, 20, I believe it is, um, 21. And so, and, and, and in that prayer time, I, I asked the, the people that were in here, I said, hey, I want us to meditate on this text and then pray from this text. And, and, and as we were in here and we were praying toward the latter part of our prayer time together, Brother Lewis began to say, as he was praying, he said, Lord, you know, I, 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 as I read the scripture, I realized that you dwell in my brothers and my sisters. And so when I love them, I'm loving you. I remember years ago hearing a man give a testimony. He was, in, he was talking about how he was in this encounter with the Lord and he was worshiping God and he felt the love of God in such an overwhelming way. And he was like, Lord, I love you and I wish that I could hug you. I just, and, and, and he said, hug your brothers. Love them. Care for them. Again, fellowship around the throne is so important because it's not just about, listen, we need to, and I pray that God Almighty would break this in us. We need to break our westernized mindset of individualism, especially when it comes to our faith. Because our faith is not about me and you separately in our silos, in our corners. It's about us, the family of God. It's about us loving on God, God loving on us. And as John points out here, he says, truly, our fellowship is with the Father and the Son. And these things, verse 4, and these things we write to you that your joy may be full. This message which we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light. Who are we, who, who are we fellowshipping with? A God who is light. And in him is no darkness 
In God, there's no deception. James says there's no shadow of turning. In other words, God doesn't change. He is always the same. God is light, pure, holy, searching. There's no, there's no darkness in him. God is willing to be found. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 15 to verse 16, the apostle Paul writes here, he says, which he will manifest in his own time. He, who is the blessed and only potentate. What is that word potentate? The word potentate, it means sovereign or the one who has the right to rule. That's what that word means there. The one, listen, you know, you know that there's only one who has a right to rule, right? And you know who it's not? <laughs> there is one who has the right to rule. There is one potentate. There is one sovereign. There is one who is king of kings and lord of lords, who alone has immortality. He alone has, he is, he is the only one who has no beginning and will have no end. See, we will have no end in the sense that we will continue to exist, but we have a beginning. But he is the only one who is immortal in that sense, in that sense dwelling in unapproachable light. Unapproachable light. Again, God is light. Dwelling, not, so it's not just like we turn on a light, it's, it's this, this unapproachable light. Not because the light is too small, not because the light is too far, because the light is too powerful. It's that, it's that sense of light. You know, when, when, when we were growing up, uh, you know, we, we were taught that you should not look at the sun. How many, how many people were taught you should not stare directly at the sun? Now, how many of you try to stare directly at the sun? You are some rebels, man. Like, why don't you listen? So, so what happens when you try to stare at the sun? Right? It's blinding, right? Have you, have you ever had a moment where you, you, you woke up, um, you, didn't, you didn't sleep long enough? Right? You, you ever had that moment? And, and, and you, what, what happens to your eyes when you don't sleep long enough? They, they feel like they're stuck, right? And what happens when you try to push them open, right? It's like you try to push them open and the light is blinding, right? Right? This is, this is just to kind of give you a picture of what it means to, 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 to talk about a God who dwells in unapproachable light. Now, knowing that this is an unapproachable light, it's beautiful to know that he made it possible for us to approach him. Whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power, amen. Moving on, Revelation chapter 20, verse 11, it says this. It says, then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. Do you think that that being that is being described in the book of Revelation is powerful? All of heaven and all of earth flee from his presence. This is the God that we're talking about. And th this scripture here, I'm a, I, this is a scripture that we have heard before. And I really tried to find some way for us to, to, to kind of imagine what this was like. And you can turn your Bible there to Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 5 is what I'm going to talk about here, but I, I want to give you just a little bit of context. The scripture says there, it says, then in the year that King Uzziah died. So who's King Uzziah? King Uzziah was one of the most righteous kings of Israel, one of the youngest kings of Israel, 16 years old when he started to reign. Reigned 52 years, I believe it was. 
And he was a righteous king by God's standards. And yet, King Uzziah, the scripture says, when he, when he became strong in his own eyes, when he, when he got proud, he realized that, yo, I'm the man. And King Uzziah went into the, into the temple and began to offer worship. And the priests ran in. And they were like, no, you can't do this. You are not a priest. And rather than Uzziah humbling himself, the Bible says he became enraged. In other words, he was about to lay the smack down on all of those priests. He was about to make the, look, it said that they took courage. The priests took courage. Why? Because he was the king and they were confronting him saying, get out of here. You have no authority in this place. Took boldness. Because the king could have been like, oh, really? Let me show you my authority. Call in all the armies, and you're done. We get new priest. And that, was, and, and that is what King Uzziah was about to do. He became enraged. And then the scripture says that this skin disease broke out on him. You know what God did? God intervened and said, hold up, man. Don't touch my priest. They're right. You're wrong. Humble yourself. And so that's what God called him to do, or that's what God did. And so King Uzziah is this righteous king who is reigning for all of this time, and for the rest of his days, we don't know how long it was, but for the rest of his days, he was in isolation because he was sick. And then he dies. And when King Uzziah dies, the scripture says that the year that King Uzziah, Uzziah died, something happened in Isaiah. Something happened in Isaiah. Now, we've read this story before. And I, and I don't know that, that this is going to do justice, but I just want you to watch this video for a second and just kind of put yourself in that moment with Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. With two he flew. One called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is Yahweh of armies. The whole earth is full of his glory. The foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. Hmm. Now it doesn't do justice to what Isaiah saw, right? But just imagine for a moment you are... Here, and then heaven opens, and you see a scene like that. Now, imagine feeling that, right? We, we, I, I, could, I couldn't give you the vibration, right? But, but, it, but if I had Jeff in the back, and I had Joel over there, and I had Hector here, and Sean, Pastor Aldo, Jason, George, and we all just started crying out, holy, ho at the same time, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It might shake the room a little bit. I've never been in an earthquake, I, I've, I've never, but, but, I've, but I've experienced a sonic boom. Hello. 
And so you, for those of you that are here, you've experienced it. You felt the rattling of the windows in your home, right? So why, 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 why am I focusing on the angels? Because I want you to know that those angels that were powerful enough to make the foundations and the pillars shake bow to a God greater than them. And see, Isaiah knew this, so he goes on, and after the posts are shaken and the, the, the place is filled with smoke, and I couldn't help but, but think about this because, you know, nowadays, you know, people be like, yo, they don't, they, they don't want the smoke. <laughs> oh, you don't want that smoke. I'm going to let you know right now. <laughs> you don't want that smoke. And Isaiah knew that. Isaiah understood this because look at Isaiah's words. In verse 5, he says, woe is me, cursed is me. That's what he was saying. Cursed is me, for I am undone. In other words, I'm a dead man. This is, he understood this. See, this doesn't do it justice. Now, the thing is, he understood, he had seen the Lord, and he said what? Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean, unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He understood, man, I saw something that I shouldn't even have seen. I saw something that is way beyond who I am. As holy as I may be, this God is holier than, I've ever, than, I, than I ever imagined to be. He understood where he was. And so here's the thing. And, 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 and the scriptures that we've read here, we understand that we have been called into fellowship with this God. This God who is the creator of all. This God who embodies the purest, most penetrating, unapproachable light, who rules in and over the affairs of men, who all humanity upon his revelation in the end time judgment will flee from his presence and who, when encountered by his people, his holy prophets, leaves them in fear and in awe. And here's my question. Do you approach him like that? Do you see him high and lifted up? When you worship, do you worship as though you're worshiping before the throne of that God? Or are you worshiping before the throne of some other God, some lower God? When you pray, are you coming to God, the creator of all, in faith, in that God? Listen, this God that we just described called you and I into fellowship with him so we could pray and seek his face for the affairs of what's going on in this earth. That's the God we serve. Amen. When we come to the scriptures, you know, a, a sister, she's not here today, but she was sharing with me. She was saying, she, she, she sent me an email and she said, you know, we were in a, we were in a small group uh, one time, I remember. And said, and while we were in this small group, we were talking about God's word and asking people, you know, how do they read the word of God? And she said, you know, some people in the group were saying, well, you know, they read the book, you know, the Bible like it's a historic book or, you know, and, and they went through all this. And, and here's, here's what I shared with her. The word of God, God's word, when you read the scriptures, the word of God has different types of genre throughout it. And so there is historical documentation in, in, in the scriptures, inspired by God so he can give us a clear history of what he has said. <clears throat> there are parts of the Bible that are histor historic. There are parts of the Bible that are poetic. 
In other words, you know, you read of Psalms, you read Proverbs, you read Ecclesiastes, you read the Song of Solomon. These are poetic books, right? They're wisdom books, right? But, 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 but they, they, they have a, a poetic nature to them, right? You have books that are epistles. You have books that are prophetic books. In other words, God is prophesying in, in the book of Isaiah, the greatest major prophet in the old, or the, 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 the largest old prophet book in the Old Testament. We, we have these type of books, but when we look at God's word. Here's what the sister said. She said, but we need to look at God's word as God's word first. Are you here? See, because we minimize this book as though, hey, I'm just going to get some good history. Let me check the history. Let me check the geography. Hold on a second. You come to this book with a humble heart, understanding that the author of life authored this book. It's not just men. I got like three amens. Y'all ain't excited enough about that. Listen, it's all right, but... Understand that this is not some normal, this is not just some geography book. This is not, and listen, it's not meant to be geography. It's not meant to be history. It's not meant to be science. It is meant to be the revelation from God to his people. That's what this book is. And so God has these other genres, and we can easily just, just, just go ahead and just be cerebral about God's word. But when we're coming to God's word, this God that we're talking about, it's his word that we're coming to. So when we come there, we should come with a humble and contrite heart. We should come with a surrenderedness and, and a yieldedness unto him, understanding who he is. Hallelujah. Say this with me. The second thing I'll ask you to repeat this. Say, we must realize how we are to engage in that fellowship. So first of all, we have to understand who we are engaging with. Secondly, we have to understand how we are to engage. Turn with me really quick to 1 John. We started reading there earlier, uh, but I want, I want to continue in chapter 1 in 1 John, the epistle of 1 John chapter 1. And beginning in verse 6, after we, we read there about the, the God is light and in him there is no darkness, and then verse 6 goes on and it says this. It says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. Let me read that again. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So when you first read that, it's like, well, I guess we're sinless. That's not what the writer is saying, obviously. We walk in the light, that means that we no longer sin. No, that, that's, that, that's not exactly what that means. But here's what he says. He says, if we say that we have no sin, we, we, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. And so as we, as we read in Isaiah, it goes on to say, and we're going to go back to Isaiah in a moment. But as we read in Isaiah, Isaiah goes through this whole moment where he is torn, he is undone, he realizes how unclean he is, and then one of those seraphim grabs a hot coal from the altar and touches his lips with it and tells him, you are cleansed. 
And so what I want you to realize is that just as Isaiah understood his unworthiness to be before the presence of the Holy One of Israel, so must we. That is when you and I will appreciate the gospel. It is when we understand how holy, how righteous, how majestic, how loving, how gracious, how good, and how kind God is that we start to encounter how we are the opposite. How we realize that as good as we are sometimes, and we're not good enough. As, as many good things as we do, we don't compare to God and his goodness. God, and, and, and so the writer of 1 John, the Apostle John, who was one of the closest disciples with Jesus while he was walking this earth, he gives us this picture. He says, first of all, you can't walk in the darkness and be in fellowship with him. You can't, you, you can't be living a fake life. That's what we do in the dark, right? We, you, you can't live a double life and be walking with Jesus. You can't, you, 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 you can't, you can't live for your own will, your own desires. Your, you, can't, you can't live that way and be like, yeah, me and Jesus are cool. No, you're not. You, can't, you have to live in the light. You have to be a person who is genuine. You have to be a person who is willing to be accountable to brothers and sisters. You have to be a person who's not hiding but who is living in the light, walking in the light, practicing the truth of what it means to walk in This is what fellowship with God is. In fellowship with God, I fellowship with him. I enter into this God, this unapproachable life. I enter into his presence. I live under his scrutiny day and night. I live before him. Listen, standing before you is nothing. Hallelujah. When, when, when I get up here and I, and, and I, and I make sure that I, I let you know that I don't walk on water, nor do I float on clouds, hallelujah. Someone said last week they had, a, had an epiphany that I'm just a man. I'm like, amen, praise the Lord. <laughs> that is for real, for sure, 100% true. It, do, it doesn't bother me to, to, to expose myself like that because, man, I'm standing before him. I'm not, I'm not a per perfect man. I don't lie and say that I don't have sin. What I do is I confess my sin. I don't live in sin. I don't just walk and do what I want to do. I don't, I don't just, no, no, I want to live for his glory. I just, I just recognize that walking in the light is not just walking and practicing the truth, doing what the truth is, but it is also recognizing when I fail. It's both of those things together. That's how we walk <clears throat> in the light. The bottom line is just as Isaiah needed to be cleansed, so do we. If you're in here today and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if Jesus is not Lord of your life, if you have not made a commitment to follow him, you are unclean before God. But I want you to hear these words. God wants to clean you today. He wants to make you his son. He wants to make you his daughter. He wants you to be his. You can't earn it. You can't, you, you can't make yourself righteous enough, but he died to make you righteous. He died to make you his child. He died to bring you into a relationship with him. He says, if we say we don't have sin, we're, we're, we're lying to ourselves. We're deceived. He wants us to know that there is, there is forgiveness in him. Now listen, this forgiveness isn't like, hey, I confess my sin and I keep doing it. The book of Hebrews speaks to those who practice sin and lets them know if you're practicing sin, 
you look forward to nothing but judgment. And so if you're in here and you're thinking, hey, I'm good with God, but I'm living in sin. Well, I confess. Wait a second. Are you continuing to do the same sin and come back and say, God, forgive Same sin? God, for are you really real about it? I was sharing my testimony with my grandmother uh, the other night. With, uh, like, she don't know my testimony. But anyway, I, I, was sharing, I was sharing with her about how I got saved. And I was like, I, you know, m when my mom started to minister to me, right before uh, I prayed to receive Christ as Lord, I remember her saying, and, and the Lord was speaking through her, that, that, that he heard my prayers. Well, nobody knew that I prayed every night. Every night I used to pray like this. Three things I used to pray. Number one, I knew for some of you that have been here a while, you've known this, but hopefully this just it reminds you. But I, I used to pray, God, forgive me for my sins because I knew what I was doing. And you know what I didn't want? I didn't want to go to hell. And at that time, right, I believed that the church was going to be raptured before the tribulation, so I didn't want to be left behind either. Hello. I don't believe that now, but, but anyway, it, it doesn't matter. But I didn't want to go to hell. I didn't want to experience God's wrath every single night. God forgive me. And then one day my grandma, she came to me and she was like, hey, you know, you need to pray for wisdom. And I was like, all right. She knows, she knows I want to be a wise guy, right? I want to be the smartest dude in the room. So I'm like, yeah, my, my grandma wants me to be wise. Not realizing the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So my grandma was just tricking me. She was like, hey, pray for wisdom, son. Pray, pray for wisdom. I want you to be smart. She was like, you ask God for wisdom, he is going to give you the fear of the Lord. And then one day they, they got me to go to church. I was in the Bible study. The teacher was teaching, and as he was teaching, he was talking about prayer, right? I'm really interested in this. And so he's like, when you pray, if you want to be heard, you got to pray in Jesus' name. So I was like, here it is. Every single night, no matter where I was, no matter what I was doing, no matter the condition I was in, I would lay down in that bed and I would say, God, forgive me for my sins. Lord, give me wisdom in Jesus' name. <sighs> and then wake up tomorrow, wash, rinse, repeat. You know, you, you know what I was looking forward to? I was looking forward to the wrath of God no matter how many prayers I prayed. No matter how many times I said, God, forgive me for my sins. If you continue in sin, nothing but wrath awaits you. But the beauty of the gospel and the love of God is that if that is you, you are hearing these words right now. God is saying, I love you. Stop in your sin. Turn to me. Turn away from the hypocrisy. Turn away from the double life. I suffered in your place so you could have real life. That is the beauty of the gospel. And when we talk about fellowship with God, if we're going to fellowship with him, we cannot live how we want to live. We have to live in the light. We have to practice the truth. And when we fail, failing should not be the norm for the Christian. Are you here? We will fall short, but we shouldn't be living a life of failure where sin is defeating us in every area. The third thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, we must seek to meet the expectations of the one we're engaging with. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this point, but I want you to turn back to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6. And I want, I, I want us to, to see the result 
which was not solely that he recognized how unholy he was, but Isaiah had this, this other moment. So going in Isaiah chapter 6, looking at, we'll just go back to verse 6 since we didn't read it together. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 6. It says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Verse 8. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. Here's the thing we have to realize. It's not just about being with him. It's about representing him. It's not just about knowing how holy and grand he is. Fellowship with him produces something else. It should produce in us a going. It should produce in us a living out the faith that we're confessing. That's what, that, that's what should happen. Isaiah encounters the Lord. And when he encounters the Lord, he immediately, immediately hears what God is saying and says, Lord, here I am, here I am, here I am, send me. Now, if you keep reading, we're not going to keep reading because I don't want to depress you. But as we keep, if, if you keep reading Isaiah, he says, here I am, send me. Isaiah didn't ask the, he, he, he didn't ask, so, so what exactly am I going to be doing before I say here I am? Isaiah's like, here I am, send me. And then God is like, oh, you're going to go preach. These people aren't going to listen. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Like, that's not what I want. I want people to listen. That wasn't Isaiah's ministry. A ministry of judgment. Nonetheless, we, he, he, he understood there's, there's certain expectations, and in the next couple of weeks, we'll talk about those expectations in more detail. But walking in the light is about walking right before God and living right in the world as God's representatives. Church, I want you to understand this. It is not just me. It is not just the leadership. We, every one of you, look at your neighbor say, neighbor, neighbor. You, you are God's representative. You, if you are a child of God, you are God's representative in this earth. Listen, when you said yes to Jesus, you said, yes, here, I'm yours. He said, okay, now I'm going to send you to the world. Now I'm going to send you out. So here's the thing that I want you to understand, though. Before we run out of the room on fire for the mission of God, I want you to realize this. God wants your partnership in mission that is rooted in a relationship of submission. Hear that. He doesn't just want you running out there frantically doing this in your own strength and your own ability. He, 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 wants, he wants partnership with you in the mission that he has, but it has to be rooted in a relationship of submission or we're just going to mess it up. Listen, we're going to mess it up anyway. Hello. I'm, I'm just Look, you, read your Bible. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not being, I'm, not being, you know, I'm being serious, right? Look at, find me the perfect guy. There, you will find one. You'll find one perfect guy in this. You'll find one person who never messed up. You'll find one person who never sinned. You'll find one person who never did anything wrong. You'll find one person who completely fulfilled the will of God on every front. There, one person. You'll find one. But you'll find other people from Genesis 
to Revelation that God used who were messing up, who fell short. They weren't perfect man, perfect man. None of the people in the scripture. That's the reason, that's one of the reasons why you know the Bible is real. Because anybody who was trying to build a religion would never put all the mistaken, messed up people up in here. Hello. Over here putting Noah, oh, building an ark, and then going and getting drunk and naked. I mean, who would put that in the Bible? Nobody would put that in there. They would have they, they left that part out of the story. Come on now. But God is not worried about all of that because there is one who is perfect. That's the one we put our trust in. But he wants you and I to be on mission with him and in partnership with him in the mission. But it is rooted in a relationship of submission. Here's why this is so important. Because in every other relationship that you and I have on this planet, it's a relationship of give and take. Right? We have our relationship with, with, our, with, with, our, with our significant other, right? They're give and take. It's not, it's not all your way. Hallelujah. That's why marriage is so fun. Glory to God. Yeah. God loved you so much, he connected you with that person to help you become more like Jesus. Hallelujah. But the, but, but, but the truth is, it's a give and take relationship. Even with your kids, it's give and take. At some point, it's just they take it. Hallelujah. But as they grow, it's, it's a little give and take, right? You, you know, you earn a little bit of respect, give you a little bit of rope, then you choke yourself. Come on now, hello. <laughs> Give and take, right? In every other relationship, not your relationship with God. Your relationship with God, it's all give. You, sub, you submit. It's all give. You surrender. You know why? Because he gave it all. He already gave it all for us. He gave it all for us. And so when we look at our relationship with God, this is built upon surrender to the Savior who is, number one, worthy because of who he is. Point one. Remember, we looked at that. He is worthy, but the second thing is he has earned our devotion. Has he not? He has earned our devotion through the sacrifice of his son. And you know what he does? He invites us into this fellowship while he does all the heavy lifting. He asks you to follow him. He asks you to, in your weakness, depend on his grace. He's not asking you to change anybody. He's not asking you to do anything that you cannot do. He's simply asking you, submit to me. Surrender to me. Walk in fellowship with me. Walk in relationship with me. And so here's, here's my closing question for you guys. Have you forgotten the benefits of being in fellowship with God? See, this is the, this is the almighty God that we serve. This is the almighty God that we get called into fellowship and a relationship with. And so my question is, have you, as a child of God, if you're following Jesus, have you forgotten the benefits of being in fellowship with him? I have one more scripture that I want to read to you. David writes these words in the book of Psalm 103. He starts this off, and he says this. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now, David writes these words as a reminder to Israel, because you know what we do? You, you, you know what happens to us? The reason why I ask this question is because I want you in this year to engage in fellowship with God like you never have. 
But if you are not grateful, if you don't have a heart of gratitude for God, you know what ingratitude does? It always creates disengagement in any relationship. When you get married, right, you, for, for those of you that are married, you've been married for a little while, you've probably gone through those moments where you were in love, head over heels, you couldn't see anything wrong in that person. And then you got married, praise the Lord. And suddenly, you notice their breath stinks sometimes. <laughs> uh, and I mean that like overarching over every area of their life. You start to notice these things that they don't do. Let me ask, like, married couples, mar let me, let, let, marriage one-on-one, this is free, glory to God. <laughs> married couples, let me, let, let me help you. Every single day, thank God for your spouse. Hear me. When you wake up, listen, don't just be like, Lord, thank you for my husband. Now, God, change this, this, and this, Lord God. I don't thank you. No, no, no. I'm, not, I'm talking about thank God for your spouse. Lord, thank you for my spouse. And you go down the list of all of those things you love about them. You know what will happen? That will create appreciation in you for your spouse. Instead of you just, you know, over glam, you know, or magnifying, should I say, all of the negatives in them. Now, now, now let's get back to God. I get, that was marriage counseling. We're going to go back to the Lord and our relationship with him. It's the same thing in our relationship with God. Thank him for who he is. As, I, as, as I'm leading Josiah to pray, you know, he's, he's quick, just like most kids are, and they're like, okay, Lord, I come before you, and then boom, 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 they got a list of things they're asking about. And I tell them three things. Three things. What three things are you thankful for before you ask them for anything else? He's a kid. His attention span is, you know, you're not kids. Spend qualitative time remembering all the benefits of the Lord. Listen, go to, go, go, go to Psalm chapter, one, ch chapter um, 103 and read this there. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities. Lord, thank you for forgiving all of my sin, the ugliest ones, the ones I don't want anyone to know about. Lord, thank you for loving me when I am unlovable. He heals all your diseases. God, thank you for healing. Thank you for health. Thank you for keep. You need to praise him for those things who redeems your life from destruction. Lord, I could have been somewhere else. I could have been somewhere else, and yet you redeem me. You delivered me from the plan and the path of the wicked one. You set me free, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy. He's pouring his love on you all the time. Be reminded, listen, no matter what it looks like, God's word is there to train your soul to bless him at all times. Who satisfies, verse 5, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Listen, give him the praise that he is worthy of. Don't forget his benefits.